Welcome, everybody. I know we have some new faces today. My name is Rachel Wortman. We're really glad to have you guys here with us. This is a big day for us uh, at Bethel. It's our Vision Sunday, which you've already heard and seen in the lobby. Um, so before I get started and sharing what the vision is and what it means for us and all that greatness, I have two giveaways that we're going to do this morning. So now, last year, which was not that long ago, I shared with you guys about our... Um, our challenge, our eight-week coming to church challenge. Now, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I know that most of us struggled to fulfill that challenge uh, in the consecutive eight weeks, which is okay. But here's our question for you today. So to win this beautiful T-shirt, this is a size large. You're welcome to exchange it if this is not your size. So, okay. Um, uh, let me show it to you guys if you didn't get to see it when you walked in. Here's our new Bethel swag, okay. I'll show you. Uh, thank you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'll show you more about that design in a minute. But here's my question. Can anybody tell me what is our second core value in this house? So the last couple of weeks we've been doing a series on core values. Can anybody tell me? Let's start with that. If nobody can get it. Okay, Krista, let's hear. Yes. Everybody go, yay, Krista. Here we go. Watch your face, June. I feel invincible that I made that throw. That's amazing. Um, our second giveaway is this little book. I'm going to talk about this later. It was written by somebody named Rachel Wortman, who I know really well. Uh, that's me, in case you didn't know. Um, I'm going to share about this more later, but here's our second one. So can anybody tell me our last core value, core value number five? Now, this is a trick question, and Grant doesn't get to answer if you were here last week. All right, go for it. That's right. We don't settle. Here you go. Free copy of my book for you. I'm going to grab all my things. I have a lot of stuff for today. Okay, so just a little fun for us. We've got a bunch of stuff in the lobby. We've got new shirts like you just saw. We've got some uh, water bottles, some our old, so our old welcome gifts. Let's talk for a second about our welcome gifts. So we love gifts around here. It's part of our core value of we love having fun. Uh, so we've been giving away these blue boxes for the last 18 months. A lot of you guys have gotten those. And there was a really fun coffee mug in them that said Sundays are our happy place. And we've got a few extras of those uh, on the table if you want to buy one, if you didn't get one. Um, but we're getting a brand new gift, and it starts next week. So if you were here this week and it's your first time, I am so sorry. Come next week or the next time you come, and we will give you that gift for you. We're just an in-between time for that. Um, but we've got new water bottles out there. Just a lot of fun stuff for you to check out. So why do we do Vision Sunday? This is really important for us to understand. Proverbs 29:18. Today, everything we're reading is coming out of the Passion Translation, um, so I didn't put the specific uh, translations on there. But here's what it says. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Amen? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I would like some heaven's bliss filling my soul. When there's no clear prophetic vision, you may have heard this verse in a different translation say, without vision, people perish. Do you literally die? Sometimes, if you don't have the vision to not run off a cliff kind of thing. But spiritually, we die all the time when we don't have a vision of where we're going, right? And so why we do Vision Sunday every year and in January is because we believe as a people, as a house, as a church, it's important for us to hear from God, where do you want us to put our focus this year? What are you doing? We talk about this all the time. It's your kingdom come, your will be done, right? So we could come up with something we think is really fun. We could have some self-induced, this is what we need. But when we hear from God 
It's that much better. That's where the grace lies. That's where the open door, so to speak, is for us to walk into something new. So last year around this time, we shared with you guys that our vision 2019 was rise up and build. And it was about building your life with Jesus and coming together to build the, the kingdom of God together. And it's been amazing to see how God did that. And so this year, our vision for 2020 is as simple as it can be. This is our year of John 10.10. 10. This is our Zoe year. We didn't come up with a catchy phrase for it because uh, it's the year of abundance and there was just too many options. And I'm being genuine when I say that. So we, uh, you can put that title screen up. So on our t-shirts, and everybody today is actually getting a magnet for your oven or your, wherever you magnetize things in your life that has that vision on it because we want you guys to keep this before you. So on this magnet, it actually says top quality, abundant vitality. Vitality is another word for life, in case you didn't know. And what we are believing God for and what he has been speaking to us for this year is that this is your year to have your best life now. I am not standing up here as some motivational speaker trying to like hype you up and you know crank the music and jump up and down and we're going to rave for 30 seconds and get our endorphins going. I'm actually telling you this is the prophetic word for us as a church for this year. And I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Um, let's read John 10.10 10 real fast before we kind of break it down. This is again the Passion Translation. It says, a thief only, let's actually do John 10.9. John 10, let's start at one verse before. He says, Jesus is talking, he says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. So here's my first question for you. In all honesty, between you and the Lord, are you experiencing life? Are you experiencing freedom? And are you satisfied in his presence? Are you experiencing satisfaction? The second part of this is really interesting. We can go to 10.10 now. He says, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. I want more of that. I want my life to look more like that. Everything in abundance until I can't take it anymore and it just begins to overflow all around me. This is the blessing of God. It is a blessing of God. And I want to show you, um, so you know, when Jesus was saying this, he was speaking at a time where there had been no clear prophetic vision for about 400 years. We talked about this a little bit in our Christmas series, and we, we showed how there was this sort of period of silence for whatever reason where there were no prophets. There was no one speaking the living word of God. They were just reading the scriptures from old and just rereading those scriptures. And Jesus steps in, and he says this interesting thing to his people. You know, right before this, he's talking about your sheep hearing his voice, right? That if you call yourself a, a child of God, and at that point, it wasn't even about if your choice. It was if you were born Jewish, this is for you. This is what he was saying. And he was saying, listen, guys, my sheep know my voice. My people can hear me. What's interesting about this is the context at that moment was that no one was hearing him. So what he was saying was actually revolutionary, he was speaking to people who could not hear him, and he was saying, listen, you actually can hear from me. Amen. And he goes on just a few verses later to say this, and he says, you actually can have my blessing in your life. Amen. This is radical. It's tangible. It's not just a metaphor. Amen. So I brought with me, oh, no, I dropped it, sorry. I brought with me this hat because I want to display to you guys what you can take that down. 
what it looks like for the blessing of God to be a real thing. And in the Garden of Eden, God creates this beautiful world for his children to live in. And he shows up and he speaks to Adam and Eve and he tells them, I'm giving, I'm paraphrasing here, okay? He tells them, I'm giving you this blessing to go be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth, to go and live an amazing life, right? Okay, we know this. And so what does he do? He actually hands them, Grant, can you come up here and be my example? If I'm God and you're Adam, okay? So I hand him, God hands him this actual thing. Put it on, show it off. Now, stand right here for just a second. Grant now holds the blessing. I was holding it a moment ago, and now he is holding it. It was given to him. Are you guys tracking with me? They were words that were spoken that are invisible, but there was actually a substance in those words. He who wears the hat draws the blessing. It's, I made that up. It's not a, it's not a scripture, okay? <laughs> But think about it. He who's wearing the hat draws the blessing. So God gives it to Adam and Eve, and then the enemy comes, and he takes it, and they lose it. So I'm going to go way into bits and pieces over history, but just bear with me for just a second, okay? So several chapters later, Genesis 6, the Tower of Babel happens. God disperses all the people, and he's done. He's done with people. He disinherits the earth. You can read it in Deuteronomy for yourself. And then a little time after that, he decides, I'm not done. I'm going to make for myself a people. I'm going to say, listen, out of all of you guys, I'm picking one. And he goes and he draws Abraham, currently Abram at the time. He draws him out of Babylon. You guys remember this story? And he says to Abraham, I'm giving you my blessing. Okay? So previously, he, now you're Abraham. Previously, there is no blessing. And now God is saying, I'm giving it to you over a period of 25 years, God is promising, he's enacting a covenant, and now it's sitting on Abraham. And this is huge. Why? Because the second that blessing begins to sit on Abraham, the tangible blessing, it becomes like a magnet drawing all these things to him. Abraham goes from somebody who doesn't have, uh, uh, he has no children in his life, he has very little, and he begins to be established as someone with much Lots of land, lots of possessions. He goes on to have actually quite a few kids. Okay, Eli, stand up. This is my son, Eli. So then Abraham gets the end of his life, and he gives that blessing. He doesn't need it anymore. He's going, it served me well, and he gives it to his son, Isaac. <laughs> All right, stand right here, Eli, for just a second, okay? So now the blessings are not being drawn to Abraham. Now they're being drawn to Isaac. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, let me have this. Thank you. Oh, sorry. All right, you guys can sit down. So then it goes from Isaac, and when Isaac is in his old age, he gives that tangible blessing through his words to who? He gives it to Jacob. I'm supposed to go to Esau. Jacob gets it. Now Jacob goes in Genesis 29 through 31. He goes off to his uncle's house. He finds for him a wife. He gets duped. He gets a second wife. He gets all these kids, and his goats begin to just flourish. And he goes from someone who had nothing to someone who was given a blessing, and the blessing is what's attracting all the goodness. Is it what Jacob had done? Obviously not, right? He was a thief. He did some bad things. It was the fact that he was wearing the hat for the sake of our analogy today. Are you guys tracking with me? And so then Jacob, he's, at, he's with Laban, his uncle Laban, this story. This is what I've been studying personally uh, the last week and a half, and I've just <laughs> been blown away at the intricacy of God. Laban is a trickster also, 
And he begins to just wheel and deal with Jacob like no other. And they make this deal of the goats that Jacob gets to own. And they're all the speckled ones, the spotted ones, the ones that aren't of a pure color. And then guess what? All the goats that Laban owns begin to bear those goats. And Laban's like, what? What is this? These are my goats. And they're giving birth to your goats? So he changes the game. That's not true anymore. Now it's just the speckled ones. All of a sudden, the goats start giving birth to only speckled ones. And then he goes, what? All right, no, 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 only the striped ones. That'll show them. Guess what the next round of babies were? They were all striped. And no matter what Laban did, Jacob begins to prosper. Why? Because he had the hat. It's a real thing. The blessing of God is a real, tangible thing. Jacob goes on to have 12 sons. And this is where it gets interesting. The hat begins to multiply, okay? It was always supposed to be the people of God sit under this tangible blessing. But it had to start somewhere. And so Jacob gets to be the turning point where now several of his sons are actually blessed. One of them, you guys probably know the story, Joseph goes on to save the whole region from famine. He definitely is wearing the hat, right? He has so much possessions and, and stature and, and, and influence and all of those things. But Jacob also has a son named Judah. And Judah certainly got a hat to wear because Judah goes on to be the lineage of Jesus, Every single one of his sons at some level got some form of a hat. Here's what I want to show you. So the, the goal from the beginning, be fruitful and multiply, was that the entire nation would have a hat to wear. And that when you put it on, when you wear it, it says something into the atmosphere that you have the blessing of God sitting on you. So here we go a thousand years, you know, thousands of years later, and Jesus is standing here in John 10, 10, and he's looking at the people, and he's saying, you guys forgot. It's been too long. There's too many of you. You forgot. I gave you a hat, and it's here waiting for you to realize you've been wearing it all along. What is he saying in the context of their culture? He's saying, if you have Jewish DNA in you, you have this hat on you. You have blessings, you have influence, you have what you need, you have no lack. Jesus is saying something actually earth-shattering. A, a few short years later, Jesus dies, he raises from the dead, and after that, we get this interesting verse in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to put it up here, and, uh, and so this is, this is the mystery that was made known, okay? And here's what is, God is saying. He said, here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you, non-Jewish believers, into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. What does this mean? Now everybody that says yes to Jesus gets a hat. Now it's not just those that have the DNA inside of them. It's those that said, yes, when you are born again, when you come out of your spiritual room, this is going to get real weird real fast, you are, you are clothed in a hat, for lack of a better word. So now, it doesn't matter what you see, what you think, what's been going on in your life, this is what's available for you. Here's what I want us to understand this year. That same blessing on Abraham, that same blessing on Isaac, on Jacob, on Joseph, on David, we could go down the line on Judah, on all these people, it is the same blessing on you. The difference is, do we choose to be aware of that or not? Do we choose to say, yeah, this is available for me? Um, I have a, a, a friend. We were in Israel several years ago and met this guy. He's a family friend of ours, and he's a, a Bible scholar. He's a phenomenal Bible scholar. 
and he lives over there in Israel. And he said, let me tell you this John 10, 10 verse. Let me tell you what it actually means when you take the context, the Greek, all of it. He said, it actually means I've come to bring you a life that's better than everyone else. Essentially, it's evangelism by favoritism. This is God's plan, guys. Don't believe me? Think about it. Go back in the Old Testament and look at it. Every time, whoever's wearing the hat, all these things begin to be drawn to them. It's not about what they did. It's not about who they are. It's about the fact that God had blessed them. Are you guys catching this? So we have to get out of this mentality that I, if I can be so right and so pure and so holy and never do anything wrong, then maybe I might be worthy to stand near the hat. But that still makes it about us right? It still makes it about who we are, about our, who, what family we were born into, or whether we were from Edmond or Midwest City or wherever, right? We still interpret it from natural means. That's not the way the kingdom works. By the fact that you said yes to Jesus, you got one, and it is the same as everybody else. This is our year to understand this, to grab this, to put it on, and wear it with pride, whether it fits you beautifully or not yet. Amen? Evangelism by favoritism. This is actually God's plan. You know, God's, the Bible does not tell us, debate them into the kingdom. Just go scripture by scripture and prove them wrong, and then they'll want to get saved. That is not the way the human condition works. What is it that leads to repentance? It's his kindness. When you begin to let the magnet of God draw to your blessing that's been set on you through Jesus, something happens and people start to go, what's different about you? Why you? Why are things all of a sudden changing for you? And you know what you get to say? It's God. This is his plan, guys, evangelism by favoritism, by showing off through his people. That was his plan. It still is his plan. But we as believers, we feel awkward about that, so we don't let him do that. We actually become the resistance in that. I want us to look for a second um, about some of the Greek context of this verse in John 10.10. And uh, I just have a couple of lists of what that word life actually means, okay? You can put that one up there. So there's four different things. There are several uh, versions of life in the Bible, and this particular one, life, the Zoe life, okay? Have you guys ever heard this before, Zoe life? This word is magnanimous, all right? We're going to be exploring it a little bit. The first one is the absolute fullness of life. I want that. (laughs) Moments where I feel like I have it and moments where I feel like, where did it go? How do I get that back, right? The absolute fullness of life. Another way that this means is the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. That's very expressive, okay? Number three, a life active and vigorous devoted to God. And then as I share with you just now, the context actually means a life better than everybody else. So this is what we're going for. So how do we actually do this? How do we, how do we make this work in our lives? I want to tell you guys a personal story of mine. It's a little bit, this one's close to my heart, so I don't normally share the ones that are real close to my heart, you know, just because I don't want you guys to think I'm weird. Um, but here we go. God told me to share it, so here we go. A couple years ago, Grant was getting ordained and uh, with our network of Global Awakening. And the way that the ordination process works is, Uh, It's during the middle of the Voice of the Apostles conference that we do every year, and they bring you up on stage, and all the speakers on the conference, they pray over you. So that year it was Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington, Randy Clark, and some other amazing, amazing people. The living heroes of the day, basically. And so I I don't, you guys probably, I don't know, 
I'll just tell it to you. So I'm not the kind of person who falls over very easily, you know, when the Holy Spirit's moving. And so I was pretty sure I'd be the only one left standing on that stage, and it's broadcast also. And so I was trying to do some inner work on the front end of, you know, it's going to be okay, girl. Like, like, don't stress about it, you know? Not that I needed to fall or not fall. I just didn't want to be the awkward one that everybody's going, what's wrong with her? Like, you know, and I'm like, okay. So I walk up there, and I'm going, you got this. You are a confident, strong woman of God. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. And, and I, I got over it, right? I'm standing up there, and one by one, they're just boom, 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 and shaking all over the place, and here's me, you know. And I'm just telling myself, Lord, I'm connecting with you. I know I am, and I was actually experiencing the Lord. Uh, it just doesn't happen to me like that quite as much. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not my thing. And so it's not what happens to me. It's not, not my thing. And so, uh, anyways, I got my eyes closed, and I'm just talking to the Lord, and my favorite of all these people, my favorite is this guy, Bishop Joseph Garlington. He's an older guy. He's a pastor in Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's changed my life in so many ways. So he comes up to me. He puts his hand on me, and I have my eyes closed, and I had been looking at this picture, and in the picture, in my mind's eye, I was standing in front of this gigantic banquet table, okay? And on this table was layers upon layers of food. And it was like gorgeous. It was like the royal wedding kind of thing, like just blown out, like no expense spared kind of deal. And I was doing what every good party guest does. I was standing back and assessing what I was going to eat in what order so I don't look bad. Does anybody else do this? You walk in and you're like, wow, I will eat all of that, but I will do it in spurts so no one can tell. And so I'm in my vision. This is what's happening. I'm standing there. I'm looking at it and I'm kind of standing back a little bit. I'm taking it all in. And what happened next was something that only God could do. And um, as Joseph Garlington was praying for me, he actually began to narrate what I was seeing in my mind's eye. And I was saying nothing to him. So everybody else might be shaking on the floor, but I was having a pretty freaking cool encounter. And so while standing, uh, as luck would have it. And so... Um, <laughs> So I'm standing there, I got my, you know, I'm in the position, right? And I'm seeing this picture of this banquet and he walks up to me, he puts his hand on me and he says, you need to reach out and take it. And I said, it, I didn't say anything back to him, I just looked in the vision and I, I saw myself approach and grab a couple things on my little plate, the small plate, not the big one, right, the small one. And I put a couple things on my plate and he goes, no, I said, reach out and take it. Now, here's what you don't know. For about a month before that, the Holy Spirit had been telling me, this is no joke, he'd just been telling me this verse, the kingdom of heaven's at hand, the violent take it by force. I'm going, what does that even mean, Lord? Right? Like, you kind of have an idea what it means, but I'm not a violent person uh, unless you're chewing chips near me. But I've already told you guys that uh, in previous messages. So, so I'm standing there, and I'm going, um, I'm going, you know, the, I'm, anyways, okay, back to my story. So I'm standing there, and he said, I said, reach out and take it. And so then I see myself in this picture, and I reached out with two hands and grabbed some more food. And he said, you have to, uh, this is what he's saying to me, Joseph Garlington, while I'm seeing this. He said, you have to understand it has all been given to you. And I was like, okay. So I started to grab a little bit more. And as I grabbed things off this buffet, what I saw in this vision was that nothing depleted. It was as if it was some kind of Star Trek, like quantum something, where you reach and it never disappears, right? Or the microwave, you just say cheeseburger from wherever, boop, and it's there. It was like that. Nothing was depleted. It didn't matter how much I took. It didn't deplete what God had. And so now I'm going, whoa. So I start scooping, like, you know, no holds barred, right? I'm scooping uh, food off this table. And the more I scooped, the more it was like falling into this bag that appeared in my arms. And then the bag became a chute from heaven to earth. And the more I could get into me, the more I could get out of me to everybody underneath. Amen. And then I started falling. <laughs> 
But uh, I was like, thank you, God. I'm not the only one standing up here. It's just his mercy probably more than anything. Um, But what was interesting about that encounter was I discovered there's something in me that's nervous and timid to take God at his word. He's provided it. He's put the hat on our head. But it's up to us to decide if we're going to believe him or not. Amen? Amen. And so what I'm saying to you about this John 10.10 reality, it's an invitation to you as much as it was for me in that moment that we have to deal with that thing in us that's nervous about how God is going to respond. My kids, they like these chocolate chip muffins. They're like the bag that you just pour the milk in. They're the easiest thing. I don't cook, so, you know, that's about how, how much I bake at my house. And uh, it's like a dollar a packet, so it's a score, right? And they love these things. And before I can even get them out of the oven, they're all trying to, like, eat them, right? It is the joy of my life to make them these muffins. Why? If they came up to me and said, Mom, I was thinking maybe would it be okay if I had one? I'd be like, well, obviously, yes. Why did I make them? Instead, they come and they go, you only made 12 this time, and we've all been doing math, and we all get this many, and if Grace doesn't want an extra one, can I have hers? That's what happens in our house related to the muffins. And you know what? That's God's heart. He provided for you so many things. The question is, are you going to take him at his word? Are you going to decide, this is the year, Lord, that I deal with the stuff in my heart that keeps me pushing back from you, that you've been so kind to me, and I keep saying, I don't deserve it. So it's no longer God's issue, it's ours. It's like he's put this magnetic hat on our head and we keep putting a cone over it. Too much, Lord, this is awkward. Too much goodness. People are starting to notice. The cannoli I put on the plate fell off and now i got to bend over and pick it up and now everybody knows I've gone to the you know, buffet six times. But this is the heart of God. So let's look at it. Matthew 11 uh, Verse 12, this is the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the violent take it by force in the Passion Translation. I love the way it says this. It says, from the moment John, this is John the Baptist, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of kingdoms, of heaven's kingdom, is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Here's my next question for you guys. Are you going to be a passionate person that takes hold of what God has already provided? Luke 12, 32, we've looked at this one quite a bit over the Christmas season. But he says, don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving father joyously gives you the kingdom realm with all of its promises. It's already been done, guys. This is the thing we have to understand. We're not earning anything. It's already been done. We're actually releasing ourselves to accept what he's already given. So how are we going to do this? Let's get super practical. Um, what we've done is we've, we've picked out four different books for you guys that are on sale in the lobby. They're all about $15 if you buy them on Amazon, so we're selling, to me, to you, selling them to you for $5 each. Um, and if that's a problem and you want more than one book and you can't afford it, please just let Cody know. She will wheel and deal with you, and it will be in your favor. And, um, and so, or let Callie, my daughter, know. She loves to wheel and deal. So um, anyways, what I wanted to do was read a quick excerpt out of each of these books so you guys can see why, what they are and why we picked them, okay? So all of these have to do with what God is building into us this year. The first one is this book by Wendy Backlin. Her and her husband Steve have a ministry out of Bethel and Reading, and it's called Living from the Unseen, Reflections from a Transformed Life. And it's basically uh, each chapter is a different story of how to connect with what God is doing in your life. It's really good. And this one, uh, as it would happen, didn't plan this, each of these books has a chapter on the abundant life, okay? 
And this is what he says. This is what Wendy says. Many religious teachers have narrowed down the Christian life to kneeling at the cross or to continually dying to self, both good things. But the Christian life was never supposed to be about dying. It was meant to be about living. Amen? The cross was not the goal. It was the method or means to the goal. Jesus didn't die so that you could die. He died so that you could live. God desires us to live a resurrected life in accordance with the original intent before Adam sinned. We do not glorify God in our dying, but in our living. One last part. Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In this passage, Jesus is talking about life on planet earth, not just in heaven. Even more amazing, he's talking to people who are already alive and breathing. Is it possible that life is more than survival, performance, or whatever we've narrowed it down to in order to feel like we are successfully living? I think it is. It's a great book. Highly recommend this one. It's out there. The next one that I want to share with you guys is this one called Christ the Healer. This was actually written in 1924, so it's old. Um, <clears throat> I actually had to read this book for uh, a project I'm doing this year, and it was I loved it, and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to provide this for everybody. So we don't have as many copies as this one, but if you have a chronic illness or you know somebody in your life, in your family, that's dealing with a chronic illness, this book is for you. If we run out and you didn't get one, let me know, and I'll be happy to get you one. Um, the theology related to healing in this book is unbelievable and very simple, and that's why I like it, because it's simple and I need simple things. Uh, In his chapter uh, called The Fullness of God's Life, this is what he talks about, about this particular verse. He says, there are four Greek words in the New Testament translated life. One of them means manner of life, another means human life, and another behavior. But the Greek word for the kind of life that Jesus brought to the world is zoe. Everybody say zoe. zoe. This is translated eternal life and the life of God. Eternal life is the actual life of the eternal one himself. Now, this is going to get really good. The Gospel of John opens with the word zoe. The word is found in the New Testament 130 times. John 10.10 tells us that man was to have a right to abundance of a new kind of life, God's own life. It's new, of course, only in the sense of human possession. Many ministers today, this is in 1920s, many ministers today major on the manner of life and behavior rather than the zoe, life of God. But when received in full, in sufficient measure, Zoe lives itself. Paul prayed for Christians already filled with the Spirit that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. This shows that Zoe is God himself, and all we have of it is the unsevered part of the life with God. What he's saying here is that the Zoe life is Jesus living his life through you. Isn't that amazing to think about? It's not something that you become or do. It's something you yield to. It's something he does inside of you. It's a really powerful book. It's all about healing. That's what it's about. It just has this random chapter in there about that. Um, the third book I want to mention, and this is my favorite read of 2019, and that's saying something because I also wrote a book in 2019, so uh, whatever. But this one, I've talked about it a lot. It's called When Heaven Invades Your Finances. Now, this is not a book about budgeting, okay? This is a book about God's heart related to money and your heart related to money. And I, we bought a lot of copies of this because I'm hoping every single house in our church will read this book this year. I am telling you, it will revolutionize the way you think. <clears throat> We're actually um, in talks right now to get the author of this book to come here, hopefully this year, to share some of this with us in person. 
But here's what he says. Here's the truth. It's written by Jim Baker, Baker with one K, no relation to the older Jim Baker, just so you know. Um, okay, he says, here's the truth. When you have God, you have everything. God has all the provisions, and you have God. Prosperity is not what you have. It's who you have. Amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't feel better about yourself because of your bank account or possessions. You are confident because of who is with you, abundant life himself. If you've received the gift of Christ, you have no reason to think or act as if you lack anything. Ooh. And then he goes on to say this. Abundantly means to be above, beyond what is regular, extraordinary, or even exceeding. He says, this is not just abundance, it's actually super abundance. Here is Rick Renner's expanded interpretation translation of the second part of John 10.10. You guys ready for this? This is so good. This is a paraphrase of this verse. But I have come that they might have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, a gusto, a vigor, and zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, incomparable, richly loaded, and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Sounds like something we need, right? I know I'm harping on this a bunch. Here's the last one I want to read to you. This is my book. I actually wrote this book. This peels back the curtain of how God rebuilt me um, after a major burnout that I experienced about eight, nine years ago. And uh, the stuff that's in here are the things that I did and still do to keep myself sane. So these are, this is my gift to people who are interested. And I have people actually regularly asking me, how is it that you're like that? How do you do that? How do you go through these things and not be bitter? And, and I wrote this book as an answer to that because I kind of got tired of just writing it in Facebook messages all the time. Uh, and so I, I, it's called You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It because it is uh, really the best advice someone ever gave to me, that it's when we learn to love our life and what God is doing in us that we begin to get free, amen? Um, and so there's a part in here I want to read to you. This comes out of, out of the last chapter. And um, this is what the author says. <laughs> a little awkward to do that, but... Um, Anyways, it says, sometime during the worst time of my life, I had an epiphany. It was simple, yet so earth-shattering. This is my life. Sounds revolutionary, don't you think? I realized no one but Jesus will truly know what it's like to be me, what I need, how I think, who I want to become, why I am the way that I am. And because no one will truly understand me, because no one will truly understand these things, there is no one standing in the way of my thriving but me. In my favorite chapter of this book, it's called WrestleMania. Um, it's talking about engaging with the questions that we all have. This is the, I want to end on this. It says, we have to engage in the WrestleMania. We can't play dead with these thoughts that come at us in full force. We can't pretend we know the answers. We can't dismiss the struggle in fear that it won't end well. We have to fight. We need to put on our spandex, get in the ring, and go after the Lord with all of our questions. We need to believe we are strong enough to struggle, to struggle well. Let me tell you a secret. Jesus is strong enough to handle you while you do. It's a great book. You should get it. Um, and the reason why I end on that note is because the thing that we have to get, and this is my number one challenge to all of you, because we can hear a message like this and say, yes, abundant life, I'm in. And then we wake up tomorrow and it's like we didn't wake up rolling in gold coins like Scrooge McDuck and we're going, what is this, right? How, how, I, thought this, I thought this hat was going to do something. And what I'm really saying is this is the year for you to search your heart and get out of your own way. 
you're not getting out of God's way, right? There's a difference there. We're not dealing with ourselves because we are the end goal. We're dealing with ourselves so that everything God has already put on you can begin to work in you and work through you. Amen? Listen, this is what Jesus died for. This is what the cross was doing. It was getting the place for you to get this hat on you, whether you were born Jewish or not. No matter what was going on with you, now you have access to this abundant provision in God. And here's my challenge to you. Don't waste the gift of the cross on mediocre living. Don't waste it. Don't waste it on mediocre living, on mediocre faith that we're just kind of like, I think the Bible is really nice and, and, you know, and it's sweet and it makes me feel good from time to time, but we don't own it and actually become it, right? So don't waste it. The last thing I'll say to you guys is I, I can't drive your car for you. I can put you in my car. I can cram all this food in your mouth. I can give you these books for free. I can lay them on your face while you sleep, but you have to actually swallow, do you know what I'm saying? I can puree it in the smallest amounts possible so that it will hopefully seep in there somehow and that nothing in you can resist it. But at the end of the day, it's on you to swallow it. It's on you to stand before God and say, it's you and me, Lord. I was thinking maybe I should just do what Rachel did. And God's like, no, 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 because you're not Rachel. You're not Grant. You're not Reuben. You're not whoever. You're not Brandon. You are you. And what he has done for you is the same across this room. So I am telling you just boldly, okay, and I, I like to be bold, but I like to make sure that I know that I'm being bold in the right way, um, because in May of last year, God began to speak to me about this year, and I said, God, we're like not even at the halfway point of 2019. That is too far ahead for me to deal with. And he said, no, I want you to understand 2020 is the year of the abundant life for Bethel OKC. And he, and he began to do it in me. He did things in me that I was surprised he could even do. Things that I thought, things, these, these are going well. And the Lord's like, let's up the wellness, right? And, and I'm telling you this because I believe he's put a couple of things that we're going to audaciously believe for. And, and here's one of them. I, I actually believe there's a, a grace and a faith, um, excuse me, a grace and like an open door for us, for lack of a better word, um, for, to see our body really get into some supernatural debt cancellation. One of the cool things about this book on finances, there's a bunch of testimonies. This is a pastor of a church, and they did an 18-week series on finances, so you're welcome. Uh, don't plan to do that. And um, <laughs> uh, No, it's actually really, really good stuff. Um, but what he, what he says in the book, they just went after these miracles, financial miracles, and they saw people with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. God would bring supernatural provision to them to pay it down, guys. It was crazy. It's crazy stuff. And I believe in my heart there's a grace for us as a body for that. I also am really believing this is the year for addictions to break off and be dead. Not something that we're still trying to tiptoe around, uh, and there's wisdom in that, but that it's really gone from our body and from those that you guys are connected to. So it's not just, you know, in this very room, but it's who's in your family, who's in your home, who's in your job, who's uh, in your friend group, all that kind of stuff. Um, the next one is, I, I actually had this crazy thought. I really believe we're going to see some brain miracles happen this year. I'm talking like learning disabilities, maybe autism, things like that. I'm really believing that um, the abundant life applies to the entire person. Amen. And so I'm asking God, we want to see you do some crazy miracles, specifically with the brain and other things. And then the last one is this, family restoration. And family restoration is not always when it's broken. Sometimes it's just that you've fallen into a good pattern of good. And it's like, you know, Grant and I hit a point in our marriage one time. We've had all the ups and downs that people have. And, and we were in a good place, like a good place, you know. And that good place looked like uh, me just going, you know what, that's who you are. And I accept that, and I love that, and I embrace that because that's who you are, and, and vice versa. 
And God said to me at one point, um, he said, I want to do something fresh in your marriage. And I said, I don't want you to do that. Because, Lord, I don't know if you notice, we're in a good place. <laughs> Anybody else know? Uh, it's just my weird personality. I was like, I don't know, God. I, I, I should have been like, yes, come on, bring it on. But instead I was like, like what? What exactly are you wanting to do, right? Do, do I have to change the way I talk? Do I, whatever. And, um, and he said, what I need is for you to give me permission. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to give me permission, and I'm asking you to believe that I can. And I said, okay, give me two days. I'll be back. So I, it wasn't quite two days, but I thought about it for a while, and I said, you know what, Lord? Obviously, I trust you. You always have my yes. Sometimes I just need to make sure the whole person is applying the yes. Anybody else like that? Like, I don't want to just say it. I want to actually mean it so that when you come and tell me to quit doing whatever, that I actually will and so I said, you can do it, Lord. And what happened was, I don't know how to explain this, but when we would get to the same arguments, and you guys, if you're married, you all know what I'm talking about. You get to the same arguments, and something happened where I understood, and he understood. And the first time, I found myself trying to dig my heels in and, like, fortify the walls. I don't know if any of you guys are like that. I'm, I'm a bad fighter. But anyways, I was like, like in my mind, I'm going, what am I going to say about this and this? And, you know, where's the fresh jab about this or whatever? This is so bad, but just being real. And I found myself doing that. I just felt this little tap on my shoulder, like, remember how you told me we could do something fresh? I was like, okay, so what do you want me to do about this? And he said, say it this way. I did. And the next day, Grant goes, I don't think in like 15 years, I've, or I don't know how long it was at that point, in all these years I've ever really understood what you were saying, but I think I do now. <laughs> what? I was like, hey, there's a hat on me that's drawing blessings into my life, right? And over the course of like uh, six months, we have these situations where something would come. And you know if you're married, you know, or in a lifetime relationship with somebody, you just kind of stand your post, right? We're approaching the 10,000 altitude, and this is where I stand, and this is where you stand, and we'll duke it out, and then we'll just move on. And it was like something happened where we actually bypassed that altogether. I'm telling you that because when we give God permission, there's nothing he can't do. And it wasn't hard. It's been hard other times, but it wasn't hard because this time it was genuine surrender. It was genuine going, Lord, I want your abundant life at work, in me, in my family, with my kids, with my parents, with my siblings, with every relational family that, uh, relationship that you have. So here's where we're going to end. We have some note cards on the back table. There's some pens there, and I've got note cards up here too. And these are just simple. There's nothing fancy about these. And um, I want to challenge you guys to ask the Lord. Holy Spirit, what's an area that you're wanting to bring abundance into my life this year? You are absolutely welcome to put on this card what you need him to do as well. You might already know, God, you got to come through in this area because I'm hanging on by a thread. You can put that on here. But I also want you to take a second to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you already preparing? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this, and this might sound a little weird, but since May of last year, God has been preparing this year for abundance for you. That means this is the year where things are going to connect. I am not saying to you tomorrow you're going to wake up and find out there's you know, more money than you can imagine in your bank account. That's not what I'm talking about. The prosperous life is having all that you need to do everything God has called you for. I love how Jim Baker talks about this in the book, that it's not just the prosperous life for the farmer in Haiti to the person that's a producer in Beverly Hills. It's that you have all the resources you need to do what you're supposed to do. It's not a zero-sum dollar amount that applies to everybody. It's about your unique calling, right? So it's really about us getting honest with God and saying, Lord, what is the thing that you're doing in me? Because if I can fuel myself with that, if I can focus on that, there ain't no stopping you.
Amen. So Grant's going to put on some music, and I just encourage you, you can do this on your own notes app or whatever, but, but write it down somewhere that you can pull it out later, six months from now, a year from now, and look back and see what God wants to do. So right back by that Kleenex box, there's a bunch of cards and pens, uh, and I'm going to set some up here as well. You can grab them. Um, and we're just going to take a few minutes to talk to the Lord, and then uh, we'll close this out after that. So um, we're going to put it up here. Good, it's already up there. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking right now that we would hear your voice that we would hear your leading. Lord, we thank you for everything that you did to provide abundance for us. Lord, we thank you for everything you did on the cross and every moment after to provide an opportunity for us to walk in genuine blessing, in peace, in satisfaction, in freedom, in life, in vitality. And so we're saying right now, we are opening our hearts to you. We are getting our flesh out of the way, our own uh, issues out of the way, our own patterns out of the way. And Lord, we're saying you come and speak something fresh. Where is that area of my life that you're going to bring abundance in 2020? And write it down. We are writing it down as a declaration to you that we're coming into agreement with what you want to do in Jesus' name.
wrote down on a note card, put the note card in your hand. If you wrote it somewhere else, just hold it, hold it or you can put your hand out if you just thought about it and uh, have it in your mind. But we're just going to pray a prayer of, of a blessing over this declaration this morning. And I want to release a blessing over you as well. And so, Lord, we just bring this, we bring this to you. We bring these words to you, God. And we thank you that you are releasing the resource of heaven to come on our behalf and to bring us into a greater place of freedom. And I'm praying over every person that is dealing with debt, Lord, that you would bring supernatural provision to cancel that out this year in Jesus' name. Lord, we are asking for expedited ability even to pay off student loans and, and, uh, and cars and things that we need in our everyday life. Lord, I'm asking for a blessing of divine health over each and every person here as well. And I just declare uh, formally or, or, you know, as awkwardly as that is, Lord, we just formally declare that 2020 is our year to see your life, the Zoe life, come into us and come out of us from within. Lord, I proverbially and metaphorically put a hat of blessing over every person in this room this morning. For those that have thought they might have had it at one, hand, at one time or another, and for whatever reason it's felt like it fell off, we restore that magnet of blessing onto every person this morning, that good things will come to you, that things will turn around. We release right now a, a declaration over our families as well, Lord, that our families will thrive, that they will be, each person in our family will be serving you, loving you, in relationship with you. And Lord, for those that don't know you, let today be a day of salvation. Let today be a day where our eyes are open to how good you really are. Lord, we just say come and come and come and keep coming and keep blowing us away and keep filling us up and keep sending us out and keep creating this dynamic life we get to to live with you, Lord, because life on earth is too short to do this in a mediocre way. And so right now, by faith, we receive the blessings that you've already been giving. We receive it for our marriages. We receive it for our jobs. We ask that you lift the weight off of our shoulders for those that are under a heaviness today. And I bless every person in here in the name of Jesus to go and live a life to the full, more abundantly, better than everybody else. In Jesus' name, amen.